Hi, I'm Don Mackey, welcome to the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. This show is focused on providing strategies to empower community success and vitality. Each episode will feature interviews with cutting-edge rural development thought leaders and community practitioners, remarkable entrepreneurs from business, government, and nonprofits, and by sharing the learnings of E2 entrepreneurial ecosystems. Connect with me, learn more about E2, and subscribe to this show at energizingentrepreneurs.org. So welcome to the kickoff edition of Pathways to Prosperity podcast. This is Don Mackey with E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems, and today we're going to be talking about opportunities related to the pandemic recession. And joining me is Matthew, and Matthew will share a little bit about his background, and then we'll launch right into the content. Well, thank you, Don. It is great to be here working with you and your organization to bring this content, bring this information out to everybody. And yeah, my name is Matthew Passy, and I'm a podcast consultant. You can find me at thepodcastconsultant.com. And we are connected here so that we can bring this crucial information to rural America, help them kickstart entrepreneurial ventures, grow entrepreneurial ventures, and really show Americans all over how being in rural America can be just as thriving, just as beneficial to their bottom line as being anywhere else. And more importantly is to support those folks who are already in rural America and make sure that their entrepreneurial ventures and their businesses and everything else that they're doing can thrive. So we are living in a very strange time right now as virtue of the fact that we are doing all this work remotely. We are dealing with this global pandemic and it has been going on for some time now. And it seems like there's not a lot of signs that it's going to be letting up anytime soon. So I want to start there and ask you specifically, how is the pandemic and recession impacting rural areas across America? Well, of course, rural is a diverse landscape, and so there's variability. But by and large, it's been slower to reach rural communities. And that's created a false sense of safety for a lot of residents, a lot of communities that believe that it's simply not going to reach them, but it's now beginning to occur. We saw that first in communities with, say, food processing or meatpacking plants. We had hotspots across the country associated with those kinds of industries, but it's now reaching into every corner of the country. And in a lot of ways, it represents a greater risk to rural communities in that we have a higher percentage of our population that is high risk, and we also have a weaker healthcare system. So it's still playing out. It's lagging what's happened in the cities. The other thing is there's also the collateral issues. For example, rural hospitals are somewhat marginal anyway, and with the pandemic, they've had less demand for services, which has affected their bottom line. So this is still playing out, and I think we're going to be well into 2022 before we see what this means in terms of not only the pandemic, but how it has affected the economy and rural landscapes. So given all that is going on right now, and this pandemic and this recession and what feels like is going to be a long-term problem, why should we be focused on potential development opportunities right now, especially when, as you just mentioned, we have so many other issues that we are dealing with in so many of these communities? Great question. And I think it really goes back to our experience with the Great Recession in 2007 to 2010. In 2010, Richard Florida, the author of the 
creative class books, came out with a book called The Great Reset, and it really caught our attention. And in that book, Florida really talked about that when you have these major events, the status quo kind of gets upended. There is fundamental change. And by the time it really asserts itself, you can be behind the curve in terms of taking advantage of the change that's coming. And so while it's really hard right now, while people are still suffering and dying and communities are challenged with shutdowns, to think about what the development opportunities are, we think it's the exact time where community leaders and their residents should be begin to look at what does this mean? Because typically what happens with a reset, this is what we saw with the Great Recession, was there were underlying trends that were already in place. For example, 30-year-olds moving from urban America to rural America. Those trends tended to accelerate, deepen, and broaden. And we think the same thing is true as we begin to look at what's going to happen with the pandemic recession. Assuming that it has the same level or greater impact that we saw with the Great Recession of just a decade ago. The other trend of people moving from urban to rural are retiring boomers, and this is a remarkable opportunity. There's about 10,000 boomers retiring every day. This is going to continue for three decades. About a third of them are relocating in retirement, and many of those are moving back to rural areas to find lower cost housing, less congestion, communities they perceive to be safer. And this represents a huge opportunity to build community, but also this group is very entrepreneurial and can energize your community through their entrepreneurship. So what are some of the emerging development opportunities then that are coming out of the recession? And I guess I want to couch that by wondering, is the strain on our systems impacting those opportunities at all? The answer is yes. And that's part of crisis-driven change. And that's been part of our reality forever, particularly in rural America, but urban America as well, as you think about the challenges that a community like Detroit has faced or Chicago is now facing. It's not landscape specific, but in rural America, we've gone through periods of wrenching change. And that's why resiliency is so important to be able to figure out where are things going, how do we capitalize on trends to rebuild. We've been using this terminology of restart, recovery, and resiliency. We think that's the thematic that community leaders need to be thinking about. And again, to the extent you can get ahead of some of these trends and figure out what does it mean for your community and what you need to do becomes really important. So Four trends that we've been watching for a long time, and these predate the Great Recession in the early 2000s. They were already at foot. We saw them accelerate during the Great Recession, and we believe that they're beginning to accelerate now with the pandemic recession. And so, Matthew, there's four basic trends that at least we're focusing on. There's a whole lot more going on out there, but these will be the four one is we're seeing a rise in what's called necessity entrepreneurship. And so when you think about people who have been displaced from their wage and salary jobs, and they really don't want to move, or there's really no place to move where there are wage and salary jobs, people tend to begin to patch together ways to make a living. And that drives them into the entrepreneurship space. And what we saw with the Great Recession is a proportion of those folks that lost those good jobs, became entrepreneurs, 
using the skills and talents they had, they found that I kind of like this. I'm pretty good at it. And they became what the field calls opportunity entrepreneurs. They've decided to make this their career, their way of doing things. Well, for rural communities, this is huge because this is an economic engine that can drive economic vitality, but particularly in a period of recovery, because they're the ones who are going to say, oh, yeah, we lost our coffee shop or our cafe or our grocery store because of COVID and the shutdown. But these entrepreneurs are going to say, we can reopen that and rebuild the economy, the community. So that's one of the trends that we're watching really closely, and we think communities should too. The second are really three interconnected trends. One is one that's been at work for a long time, outsourcing. We documented working with Mark Lang at the University of Wisconsin, Your Economy, a dramatic rise in outsourcing where large employers, government, the Defense Department, private corporations, educational institutions, really began to displace wage and salary workers and outsource that work. And in some cases, that's got to be close to where they're at. But in many other cases, people could live wherever they want and do that work. And that drove people into a form of entrepreneurship through contract hiring. That's at work. And we see that already with the pandemic, people who move maybe back to the farm they're continuing to work for the corporation that they were working for. And that ties to the second trend, and that's remote work. And just like we're doing this podcast remotely, you're in New Jersey. Ann and I are in different parts of Lincoln, Nebraska, and we're all connecting together. The rise of remote work really enables people to pursue economic activity, to pursue employment, entrepreneurial activity, because it's just much more accepted. People are getting used to the idea that you don't have to be physically connected necessarily to make things work. And for rural America, again, that implies that with both outsourcing and remote work, people can choose to live where they want to live, or at least a lot of them, and bring that economic activity back to communities that now we find about 20% of the people who live in certain rural counties, they work outside of the county, but what they're actually doing is remote work. They are doing work with companies in big cities and across the globe. They're just happening to live and base in a rural community. And then the fourth trend is one that is kind of the counter trend. I mean, historically, since the 1930s, even before, the primary trend was people moving from rural areas to cities, and that's still continuing. But there's this counter trend of folks moving back to rural areas, and there's really two major cohorts there that we saw accelerate in the Great Recession that evidence would indicate that we're going to see another boost in that. And the first are 30-year-olds, younger individuals, families that decide that they want to live in that rural community, maybe close to family and friends, or they want to live in a particular part of the country. But because of these other trends, have the opportunity to bring a job with them, bring an entrepreneurial opportunity with them, or open that great wine bar in a rural area. And I know that sounds strange, but that's a booming activity pre-COVID, and I think it'll come back. So when you put those four together, these really do represent opportunities. But for that to happen, rural communities have to be prepared. And they also have to be embracing diversity and inclusion. They have to be willing to welcome 
people who may be different than they are, with different values and orientations to say, we embrace the fact that you're going to bring opportunities to our community. And that could be their own kids, but it could also be people from halfway across the country that have never lived in that community. We see evidence of that. So it's up to the community to create the environment to take advantage of what we think these trends are going to be. A lot of the stuff that you talked about with relocation and with remote work, being able to get out of the cities, being able to go into more rural parts of the country, our ability to do this podcast even, a lot of that is dependent on technology and in particular on broadband services. Are there gaps in that part of the equation? And if so, what's being done to mitigate that particular concern that probably a lot of folks might have if, say, they want to be out in rural America, but they want to have that high-speed, good, powerful internet that's going to make sure that what they do is effective if they're reporting back to an East Coast, New York, or Silicon Valley kind of situation? Well, the short answer is yes, there are gaps. And while at E2, we're not an expert in broadband, we run across it everywhere we go, whoever we talk to. We think broadband is as important as clean water, good highways. It's just essential. If you don't have it, you're at such a disadvantage. And we're putting together a paper that we'll be releasing. Maybe we'll do a podcast on the topic as to why are there these gaps and how do we begin to solve them? Part of it is just not to go into the weeds, but a function of who your provider is. If you have a provider that is dedicated to ensuring that you have high-speed, quality, affordable broadband, we've got places, my home country and the ranching country of central Nebraska called the Sand Hills. I mean, this is a really sparsely populated country. They have fiber not only in town, and the biggest town is 450 people, but also out to the ranches. And So we know it can be done, but there are similar communities where the providers have chosen not to make those investments, and as a result, they don't have access. So this is going to require federal and state policy and also giving communities tools to force providers to provide these services. But as Ann knows, one of our colleagues at the center who right now has children that are doing their educational lessons from home requiring broadband. You just got to have it. Otherwise, you're left behind. I suppose that necessity is the driver of innovation. And right now, because of the pandemic, with so many schools shifting to remote learning, I guess we're starting to see a bigger push, a bigger drive for that. So that's probably very encouraging for that trend in and of itself. Well, I think it's front of mind because people realize the fact that we do have have and have nots. It seems the one thing that we've done is highlight those disparities in society. And so hopefully by highlighting them, we can also do more work to close those gaps and put everybody on an even playing field. How are we empowering these trends and development opportunities? How do you put those in the hands of people who want to take advantage of them? So we're having discussions with community leaders all over North America right now, and we're doing it remotely because that's the way we need to do it. And part of it is, first of all, raising awareness that these trends are out there. 
their backwinds, their opportunities that if you can get aligned with them can really make a difference in your community. And so the first step is to raise that awareness, get communities to start talking about it, and then to also look at their community because chances are there's evidence of these trends occurring in their community already. If they look back at the Great Recession and the intervening period, what's now occurring with the pandemic, almost everybody we talk to, they say, yeah, okay, I see evidence of that in my community now that you raise it and make it intentional. Then I think it really comes back to this idea of how do you create a welcoming community? So if you're creating more necessity entrepreneurs, what is your community doing to support individuals that have been driven into that space because they had no other choice? They still got to generate some income. And maybe some of them are going to stay as entrepreneurs and could help you transform your economy into a much stronger one following the pandemic. So it begins with those conversations and that awareness. And then it also requires, okay, am I willing to reach out and look at other communities that have organized strategy around this and are actually getting a bigger impact by being intentional about focusing on these strategies? And that can really help the community then begin to build their own game plans. But this is kind of non-traditional development, so it kind of takes people out of what they know in their comfort zone, but that's the formula that they have to engage in. And again, it's much better if you get at the front end of the trend than at the back end. You've got more opportunity to position yourself, and we find community leaders are really anxious right now to figure out what can they do, again, kind of coming back to that thematic of restart, recovery, and resiliency. They want to get on with the business of building their communities and getting back to a better place. Don't we all? Don't we all? (laughs) (laughs) So, Don, are there additional resources for the listeners related to this topic? Other ways that folks can tap into all these trends, tap into all these resources that you've discussed and make these moves, make these transitions? Yeah, we've got a couple of papers that are fairly recent a very recent paper that looks at these four trends that we talked about today, and we'd be happy to share that with people free of charge. We did an earlier paper back in June of this year that kind of took us back to the Great Recession. What did we learn about the reset and the opportunities that were coming out of that period of time? We'd also encourage folks, if they're interested, to sign up on our newsletter. They can go to energizingentrepreneurs.org and sign up. And the website also has a wide range of free resources. And we also have a national network that if folks are really interested in this kind of development, thinking about doing development this way, there's a network that we're curating that they can become part of. So we encourage folks to go to our website, learn about these things, but more than happy to share those two recent papers that go in greater depth into this topic of what are the opportunities coming out of the pandemic recession. And you'll be able to find all of that at energizingentrepreneurs.org. Don, it has been a pleasure chatting with you about this topic. Can't wait to do it again. Well, and Matthew, it's been great to work with you and just a shout out to your organization. You've been a real resource in helping us learn how to do podcasts. So Welcome to our team, and thank you for all the help you've given us in figuring out how we can get into the space. It has been my pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. 
Head on over to energizingentrepreneurs.org where you can subscribe to this podcast and tap into more than 25 years of field experience from E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems. I'm Don Mackey, and I'll see you next time on Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. <music>